Blog Talk Radio. All right. It seems like we were just on air the other day with uh, the CTA's podcast, and I'm not hearing anything. Are you? Okay, there it goes. Anyway, uh, yeah, we're back on with the CTH podcast, and I'm glad to be back. And uh, it was a great, great weekend. I had two drafts, and I have another one at midnight on Friday night, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, but uh, it was a good time kind of hanging out. Then afterwards, after we did our show on Saturday, we did the draft. And uh-huh. uh, that, it was a long one, but it wasn't as long as last year. And so I, I, I know you nabbed. Uh, you got Kyle Tucker and Forrest Whitley, didn't you? Woo-hoo! Yes, I did. I'm writing that. I'm writing that train to success. Yeah, but um, so you're stashing Forrest Whitley away in the minor league. Session, and then you're gonna have. Um, uh, yeah, there's something wrong with my mic. It keeps on going in and out. But anyway, so uh, yeah, let's talk to Astros. Um, the Astros went to the White House this week, and a lot of people made a lot of assumptions based on everything. And uh-huh. I'm not saying what's right or wrong, but a lot of people like were criticizing. Like I was watching the Facebook thing. A lot of people are saying, Ooh, Correa is there. He's selling out. He's a snowflake. And then you see um, a lot of people saying, no, he's actually not there. He's, he actually didn't go to the, no, he did not. and, but then you'll have all those people where I guess he doesn't respect the country. And it's just, you have either way. It's, there's nothing that Correa can do. That's right. But you have to admit no matter if you're a right winger or left winger or whatever the phrase is, I'm not very political, but no matter what side you're on, you have to like his answer. He said, no, I did not. Uh, I did not. It's not a political statement. Uh, my family, my, my fiance, and I think my mom or somebody was in town. Uh-huh. And every time I have an off day, I go ahead and gather up supplies to send off to Puerto Rico. That was a good answer. Yes, it was. And, you know, props to Carlos Correa for doing that. That, you know, obviously Puerto Rico, for as much attention as Texas or Houston got deservingly with uh, Harvey, Puerto Rico was also devastated this past summer as well. And, you know, I tip my hat, kudos to Carlos Correa for, you know, taking a stand, or not really even taking a stand, but really just stepping up for his people, I should say. Take you know, going out of his way to help the people who are really in need with that. And uh, all I have to say is uh, from that uh, visit from the Astros did was uh, Jose Altuve, the stare heard around the world. That's all. Uh, that's kind of the phrase going around with that. But that's all I, all, Did you see his tweet the next day? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so everybody made a big deal about that. And he said, no, I was just I was just staring. And um, you, I'm, I'm behind the president. I can't be back there goofing off and making exactly. faces. And so I was just listening to what you had to say. And uh, then he tweet out later, you see, I hate the uh, trophy as well. And it showed a picture <laughs> of him, like, same face. Yeah, it's like this exact same face. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's maybe his regular, you know, his regular face <laughs> on a lot of occasions when he's not, you know, on the baseball field. But it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, that – that's just like one of those things where it was just it really a lot of people made more of it than I think actually what it was. It's just right. it's just one of those things. But it was cool seeing that was actually in the White House. That was actually really cool. It was also pretty cool that they brought along Joe Musgrove and uh, Luke Gregerson, who are now members of teams from the NL Central. So it was like cool to have those guys come along and everything. Yeah, one time during one spring training game, MLB Network was showing the. Cardinals broadcast of the game and uh, they're interviewing Luke Gregerson and he said 
uh, yeah, I'm make sure I go to that, and I, I I think they could do without me for one day. So yes, yeah, it's, it's spring training. Come on, he's a veteran. It's not like they're going. It's not like he's trying to earn a job or anything. Right. Really, it's just like, like yeah, let me. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like it's one thing to like be in the postseason on a consistent basis, but it's another thing to win it all, get all the perks that come afterwards, which means the White House, all these cool interviews with these late night talk shows, you know, SNL, you know what. Whatever, it's just there's a lot of extra perks, and like you may not ever get that opportunity again. So, and with the picture that uh, for Jose Altuve, that picture was not as worse as George Springer's expression the whole time. <laughs> Even after he um, he shook uh, Trump's hand, uh, he was smiling, and as soon as Trump turns around, he says, uh. <laughs> and so you, you can tell there's some body language there, and that's fine. Uh, you're gonna have your Feelings oh yeah, everybody's everybody's welcome. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion and yeah. stuff, and it's like that's what made this country great. You know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but that's you know. But at the same time too, like you know, it's clear that a lot of these guys just out of respect for the office, out of respect for you know what it stands, it's like okay, this is a cool opportunity that we just can't really pass up. A lot of people asked uh, why we didn't um, like really do a lot with it. There it goes. I can hear myself now. <laughs> so a lot of people asked why we didn't go ahead and write about it, Climbing Tiles Hill. And I, I just feel like that's too political, and I really don't want to go to that. No. Because either way, you're going to take someone off. And, yeah. So. It's, it's, politics is just – like while it is important – it's an important fabric of this country and obviously needs to be discussed in the right forms. But at the same time too, we're just an Astros uh, blog site. And that's not really something that we're really, no, I'd say we're not, I'm not saying we don't know about politics, but at the same time too, it's not really our forte at the same time. So it's just kind of like, yeah, let's just let other people talk about it. And we're just kind of here like, Oh, Hey, we're here actually talking about baseball. So let's go with that. Yeah. A lot of people wonder where I am with the Rockets and the Texans. And I just don't know enough about the sports. I'm a fan of them. Yeah, same I here. don't get a chance to watch every Rockets game, but I do keep up with them and I see them when they win and mm-hmm. I go, go look and see the stats, but I don't, really know that much about basketball to do a breakdown. Yeah. So that's why you see me you never see me that uh do that talk about that those teams on Twitter. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about um yeah, there's something wrong with this mic. But let's go ahead and talk about um who we are first of all. And I, I don't think we talked about that. Uh you're listening to the Climbing Tales Hill podcast. Um, my name is Eric Heisman. You can find me on Twitter at Eric underscore C T H. And my partner, Cody, you can find him at Cody underscore CTH. And uh, yeah, it's actually really easy. Find us. Give us a follow. We don't do I don't do a lot with my actual personal account, but I'm sure I think you do a lot more with your personal. Yeah, yeah, I I tend to I tend to do a little bit more stuff with it. Yeah, I got balance uh, talking strows and stuff that we do with climbing town and now we have the cth podcast so i i don't technically always do stuff but when i look at bleacher report and i see something i i normally retweet something from there yeah anyway so uh, guys we want you to be part of the show if you're listening live if you're listening to the podcast later i'm sorry you can't call but if you like to go and call in it's at 347-850-8823 I repeat, 347-850-8823. And, uh, yeah, so I just had my family crash uh, the house a few 
like 30 minutes before the show, I'm like, I'm about to do a show, so this is going to work. So, but anyway, they're being kind of quiet. So let's talk some Astros now. Um, so any news going on? Um, not really. Uh, well, some moves that were made. Some moves, yeah. Some some roster cuts were made. I can I think it was after. I think it was after our show last week. Uh, they they went ahead and sent down um, Buddy Boschers, and they also sent down. Uh, yeah, they sent down. Cienel uh, Perez. Yeah, and Framber Valdez. Uh, there's also a couple other guys in there as well. Uh, Nick Tenelu was another that they sent down. And Anthony Ghost is back with the uh, Rangers now. Back officially. where back where he belongs. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, there's been uh, nothing of real note. But yeah, it's just essentially just clearing out the camp. It's just. It's and Tony point. Sipp is probably the guy, unless they're going to go with somebody like Davinsky as the guy against left-handed pitching and. I know somebody uh, was asking on Talking Strips the, the, the other day. Sorry, I need to get a new cord. But uh, the other day about, well, do we have to carry a lefty? Can we just do without it? And I think the Astros, and I think I've said this on this show many times before. And yeah, it's just like one of those things, like uh, there's just some uh, noticeable new moves. uh like you just mentioned Tony Sip, like what you mentioned, like could they do that with Chris Davinsky? And I was just looking at some stats real quick before uh, before the unfortunate uh, hardware malfunction there. But it's just like, uh, for example, uh, Astros, you know, of course they're paying Tony Sip $6 million this year, so I think they're going to give him every chance. Uh, but he's had only like one bad alley, but everything else he's looked actually fairly decent. Uh, a little, I'm a little surprised, actually. They gave uh, kind of extended looks to the Boshears and Romain Guwan and Framber Valdez, but um, but also, yeah, Chris Davinsky, well, you mentioned, like, surprisingly, he was, uh, well, not surprisingly, but he was quite good against left-handed uh, pitch, uh, hitters last year, too, so I'm kind of curious to see. It's going to be interesting to see how they proceed with that. Yeah, I agree, and I think I forgot what was the matter with the cord, but anyway. So, yeah, it's a, uh, unless there's a miracle or something, Tony Sipp is your guy, and there's six million reasons why yes. he's going to be there. So I'm not too worried about Tony Sipp. Um, if he struggles, they have options, and that's what spring training is for. And especially, uh, I think A.J. Hinch was asked the other day about um, not having any roster drama this season, and he's like, no. It's actually good. It means that we don't have to worry about uh, a lot of stuff. So uh, I'm, I think that he's, he's while he's glad ab- about that, uh, he's also looking at who's the next guy up, who's the next person who could help the Astros win, and I think that's what he's looking at right now. Yeah, they got a lot of talented guys that are in camp. It's just going – at this point, just weeding out. It's going to take a, somebody with a strong, strong performance – that to really, you know, push them to make any different decisions. I know everybody loves to bring up Kyle Tucker, but at the same time, too, the Astros are also looking like, you know, look, if we wait till June to call him up, we get to keep him for, like, an extra year beyond, like, if we put him on the opening day roster or whatever. Yeah, we're not the only team doing it. Look at the, a lot of teams, like uh, Glaber, Torres. Yeah, with the Yankees. Uh, Acuna is uh, going to probably. Yeah, Acuna is going to probably be likely sent down with uh, the Braves. Willie Calhoun was just uh, cut from camp for the Eloy Rangers. Jimenez. Yes, it's like a lot of these guys, and a lot of these guys have had decent springs. Right. It's just 
these teams, they covet that one extra year of control, that one extra year of, like, you know, surplus value. Super from the, two deadline. Yes, exactly. And it's what the Astros did with George Springer way back a couple years ago. It's not something – it's not a revolutionary idea. It's something that's been around for a while. Teams are going to take advantage of it, and that's the reason you won't see guys like probably like Kyle Tucker, Willie Calhoun – uh, Ronald Asuna, those guys up until probably June or July at the earliest, depending on the circumstances at the time. So, And uh, with Tucker, I'm, I know everybody wants him on the team right now, but uh, I just think that they're, they're just going to wait. They're just going to chillax, see what they have in Derek Fisher, uh, see how Jake Marisnik uh, kind of rebounds from his uh, injury where he missed the entire playoffs and – they're just going to go with what they got right now. So, yeah, it's not it's not unusual for this to happen, and uh, don't stress over it. But Kyle Tucker, and I, I think I wrote about it uh, in the article I wrote today. I think it was today. But um, I think that he could be a probably 35 to 40 homer a year hitter. And uh, can you believe we haven't had a guy hit over 40 home runs since when? Ooh. See if you read the article. Oh, I actually have not had a chance to read that one either. Uh, time is limited in my household. Uh, probably, uh, it's probably got to be 2006. 2006, yes. uh, Berkman, 2006, right? Uh, or not Berkman. Uh, yeah, it was Berkman. Oh, it was Berkman. I was thinking, hang on a second. Was it in Berkman? Like, no, no. That was pretty precise. So. Yeah, I was like, and it also tells you how long I've been paying attention to the Astros, but that's a story for another day. Yeah, and I looked at it, and the last person to get close to 37 was Chris Carter in what year? Uh, 2015. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 2015. So we haven't had any big sluggers on the no. team, and that's okay. And like we always say, this lineup is the power spread out throughout the lineup. The only weak spot you have is, well, we don't really know about Fisher yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what Brian McCann will come? Uh, is he? Is it the first half in 2017 or is it the second half? Yeah, it, you can make the argument probably that uh, on the entire line, probably the two weakest spots, depending on who's playing the positions at the time, will probably be catcher and left field. But when you're arguing that two, uh, it, you're probably looking at roughly average production there out of those two spots most games. That's a nice problem to have. Yeah, but Carlos Correa wants to be the MVP, so. We had somebody say that Jordan Springer is playing like he wants to be MVP this year. And now we have Carlos Correa saying he wants to be the MVP this year. So there's three people on Astros who want to be the MVP this year, and that's not a bad thing. That means that everybody's going to be playing uh, on top of their game, and they're going to try to win. And if the, if the Astros really have three candidates for an MVP – you're looking at probably 105 wins. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, three MVP candidates on one team. You can also probably make the argument they may have one or two Cy Young contenders, depending on how things pan out. And it's just like, wow, there's, uh, especially at the top, there's some talent. And these guys, Altuve, Springer, Correa, when you're talking about a young trifecta like that, like, I'm not sure I would take any other core over the Astros core right now. I know that probably. I'm biased. I'm an Astros fan and everything. Yeah, I get that. But honestly, when you look at the numbers and you just look at the situation, like just this young core, like I can uh, – I know some people probably argue the Yankees got a better core now. Uh, 
Cubs, whatever. But at the same time, too, it's just like you got to make an argument for these Astros. Like, this is the best. Like, and I love Bagwell and Biggio as all get out there legends. But at the same time, too, they never approached this level of optimism in their 10 years here. It was always hopeful, promising, but it was never like they finally delivered. But, oh, my gosh, like this could be the start of something really special that we haven't seen in Houston baseball ever. So. Yeah, I agree. And uh, so we'll have to see. But uh, Carlos Correa, if he's the MVP, I won't be surprised. Oh, no. Because he was on a pace last year to, before he uh, hurt his hand, his thumb, I think it was. And he was sliding into – no, that was Jake Mersnick. Well, uh, no, yeah. it was a slide in home plate, wasn't it? Uh, I thought it was second base. That was the slide to second base was what uh, originally started the injury or like the beginning of the saga. Then he slid. Then he kind of came. He missed a couple of games. Came back. Then he slid into home, and that's yeah. And Jake Marisnik, I think his was just more. He did a straight slide head first into home, and that's how he messed up his thumb or whatever. But yeah, Correa before he went out, you know, he was hitting quite well. Don't forget last season when you consider it all, he played only 109 games, finished with 24 home runs, 84 RBI, a WRC plus of 152, which is really good, a 5.2 F4. And that was in 109 games. Just imagine if he played 150, 160 games. You're probably you're probably, you're looking at close to probably a seven win player at that point. And, yeah. And that's approaching Altuve Trout level. That you know what what those guys do on year in year out basis. Correa was approaching that mark before he went and out. And he goes to through streaks as well. Like he uh, for a time he gets really hot, then he kind of struggles for a little bit. And at the time he got injured, he was going through one of his hot streaks. Oh yes, yes, and like and I'm glad you mentioned that the whole you know streaks with him. Like last year when he opened the season last year, he had like a two thirty three batting average. All right, you know he's shaking off that rust, whatever. Then the next few months. 386 batting average, 294, 417 in July before he went out. Of course, he missed the rest of the season, uh, not the rest of the season, but he missed all the rest of July and all August, essentially. Came back in early September, or you know, sometime in September. September, October, he had a batting average of 299. And it's just like, even after he came back, he was still kind of clicking. But yeah, when he went out in July, it was just like, ah, right to the heart. It was, and then you turn it on in the playoffs a little bit too, and it yeah. seems like the, everybody did except for Josh Reddick. Yeah. But he had that one good hit in Boston. I, I forgive yeah. him because he helped us win Game Four in Boston. Uh, and you can say the same thing for uh, Brian McCann. Yeah, he had that big homer in uh, Game Five, right? Yeah, Game Five. Uh, yeah, Game Five, and made made uh, twelve to nine at that point. Like, oh, okay, that should do it. Like, oh, thank God we have that extra run from Brian McCann. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. So. Yeah, it was good to have, to see the bats come alive, but they some of them struggled, and uh, we'll have to see where they go this year. But um, going back to our draft, did you notice who I drafted, and I wasn't afraid to draft him? Um, trying to think back to our draft now. Uh, closer. Closer. Uh, oh yeah, Ken Giles. You, oh yeah, that's right. You're going to fall on that blade this year, aren't you? No, I, I have. I I know that Ken Giles is a good. Regular season closer. Exactly, exactly. It's just and the the playoffs, the fantasy playoffs will be over by the time the playoffs come. So I'm not, I don't have to worry about that. But no, I mean if you look at it, uh, at his stats, they have uh, he's in the top five, I want to say, in relievers with his his just his stats from last year and yeah, like last year 
you know, he, he was about, you know, worth about two wins as a reliever. And, you know, as a reliever, that's not exactly easy to pull off to be worth, you know, t- right. two wins. But, yeah, just real quick, if you sort by Fangraphs F4, just uh, quickly, yeah, Giles by F4 was in the top 16. If you go by more other – 16? Yeah, 16th in F4. Oh, okay. But uh, but if you go by, based on some other uh, statistics, like uh, I think his ER, uh, let me pull up his ERA real quick. Uh, my laptop's running a tad slow, but bear with me. But Giles, he like he he played quite like he pitched you know quite well, 16th in the ERA. But at the same time too, you also have to consider his strikeout numbers. Strikeout numbers are huge for a reliever. Is that all relievers, or is that just closers? Uh, all relievers. All relievers. Okay, then. Yeah. yeah it's, I'm it's, talking about closers. Yeah. You have, like, the Andrew Miller. Yeah. Andrew, that's not fair to put him in that class. Exactly, exactly. But at the same time, too, like, you consider this. I think out of all closers, he finished with the third highest uh, strikeout rate. Right. Uh, I think the same applies pretty much across the board. It'll, because well, I mean, Chapman took a step back last year. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, essentially, if you look at a lot of the numbers, uh, Giles was roughly within probably he was consistently within the top five, six, or seven relievers based on re- guys that have like numerous saves. The only other pitchers who really finished higher than him in a lot of categories came down to Kenley Jensen and Craig Krimble. And once in a while, you see a Roberto Zuno or. Uh, believe a Rivero throw in there, but Giles was consistently within the top five, six, seven closers of baseball. And like you said, he's a regular season guy. And last 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 year was his first um, shot at the postseason. So I'm very curious to see if the Astros are fortunate enough, which they should make it back to the postseason. I'm kind of curious to see which Giles we get. So hopefully he's the great one that we have during regular season, but. It kind of makes you wonder what's going on with Greg Holland, and he hasn't found a home yet, has he? No, he has not. Uh, he's still looking for a home. Are people worried about maybe medical issues with him, I or think, is he still wanting uh, Wade Davis money? I, uh, from the vibe I kind of got just by you know going through Twitter and just kind of following through on MLB trade rumors and seeing what they're saying, fan graphs and everything, it just kind of seems like. I think there's a little bit of a health factor there. He he did uh, his performance did take a downward slope in the second half of the season, which caught some people's eye. And secondly, you know he kind of did that in Colorado, so people I don't think are quite sure what to expect. And at the same time, too, I think he's still holding out hope he can get that job somewhere as kind of the guy in the bullpen. But unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of teams are kind of just pretty much set. Maybe once the season starts and there's an injury, maybe somebody will come. And yeah. It's risky. I would take the guaranteed money right now versus waiting for somebody to pay you down the road. And I'm not saying that Astros pick them up. Um, I know we have Hector Rondon, and we haven't really seen him pitch since that one game. Yeah. They said he looks better, but – They've I'm been, getting kind of scared. Yeah, they've been saying that for two weeks, and it's like, oh, yeah, he'll pitch this day, you know, like on Thursday. Oh no, wait, he'll pitch on Sunday. Oh no, we're we're, we're pitching. All right, sooner or later, you're just going to, have to say, yeah, he pitches when he pitches. Like, I'm not sure what's going on there, and yeah, it, there's definitely. If I was Astros and something happened to Rodon, and you're kind of like, well, we need a, maybe one more arm, I'd go, okay, Holly, here's, uh, how about one year, twelve million dollars, and just kind of go and maybe throw in an option or something. 
like the Phillies just did with Jake Arrieta. Is it kind of a little bit comparing apples to oranges a little bit? Oh, uh, by the way, while you're mentioning him, uh, I'm glad he's not an Astros because he looks just like Evan Gaddis. Oh yes, oh yeah. Like sooner or later, we're not going to be able to tell these guys apart. There's like Dirt Fisher, Evan Gaddis, Brian McCann. Like uh, there's somebody else now too, isn't there? But re- anyway. But yeah, it's something like similar to what the Phillies did with Arietta, structured their contracts in a way to where maybe there's incentives. Clearly, Arietta didn't get the contract he was wanting, but I think the same kind of thought can somewhat apply to Holland and just say, hey, look, come here for one year, $12 million, maybe get more, you know, reestablish your value a bit. And saying, yeah, you may not close, but you get to pitch on a team that's expected to contend again. And, you know, publicity or any type of reliever that does really well, other teams will go, oh, hey, we're noticing you again. Yeah, let's pick him up. Yeah, so we'll see. I don't think the Astros make that move because I don't really think they like to buy closers. No, they're not. And I'm not saying anything about Giles not being a closer, but they're not – I don't think Collins going to want to come here unless he's a closer. And there's a few teams, namely the the, uh, Cardinals, who still – they have Gregerson, I know. Um, they're going to be a team that they are sign Holland or they're going to trade for guy in July. Yeah. I, I don't get me wrong. I like Gregerson a lot. I think he was somewhat underutilized his last year here in Houston. But at the same time, too, he's more of a setup, setup guy, seventh inning guy. They need somebody to step in. They really don't have that guy. They really don't. And the Cardinals, they're I think they're probably one of the – top two or three prime candidates to buy or trade for a reliever at the deadline. Or they could just go, hey, let's just sign Greg Holland to like a short-term contract or whatever, get him here, and not have to part with any prospects at the deadline. It's just kind of that kind of that mentality. So it's, I'm kind of curious to see how the market unfolds for him, especially as we get closer to opening day. So Max Dassey hasn't really lived up, lived up to his initial promise. At no, the he has not. Training. Uh, he did have, I want to say, homework the other day, or he got it hit. Early. He got he got a hit. Uh, actually, I think it was today, if I'm not mistaken, because uh, I was taking a look at some of his I numbers. I think it was a double. Yeah, it was a double earlier today, and if I'm not mistaken, this was like his first hit in quite some time. I'm pulling up his game logs now, but uh, I think. Um, yeah, he kind he's kind of you know he's kind of been through a rough stretch like yeah real quickly like real quick yeah this is his first hit in a game and uh and he hasn't received all that many at bats at times but his first hit since february 27th so it's been about mm, you made about two uh, two ish weeks so yeah he hasn't really done well he's just now he's hitting uh he's got a 167 batting average so so uh, 744 OPS. Like I say, he just collected his first hit since late February. Yeah, yeah, he's batting 167 right now yeah. with a 744 OPS, which is not terrible. Uh, I mean, the the batting average is terrible, yeah. but the OPS is kind of what I look at. Uh, JD Davis. I'm gonna go on record right now, and um, some certain people will probably get onto me for this, but I think he's won the battle. And uh, he played uh, first and third base today. He played – looked like – no, he didn't play in the entire game, but he played uh, – he had three at-bats. And mm-hmm. I think they're really taking a good look at uh, J.D. Davis, and I think that he may be the winner just because he's been the most consistent all spring. 
White was kind of hot at the beginning, but he kind of he's leveled off. He's batting 240, but he does have a nice OPS of 897. But he doesn't seem to be starting too much. No, he's getting, he's appearing in games like it's one about here, one about here, two about the next day. Yeah, and that's the thing is J.D. Davis has been the most most consistent. A.J. Reed provides that power. And that's, he showed it recently. He showed it recently, too, but he's also going to strike out a lot. When he goes into his bad stretches, it may be prolonged. It's not exactly – you're not probably – it's going to be your big hit or strikeout with him. Tyler, Ooh, that's what, something I might write about with about A.J. Reed because uh, he does take a while to catch on. And if he's only up for three weeks, it may take him that long to adjust to the big league. Exactly. It's – and yeah, exactly. And they're not seeing the, all the big leaders now. That's the thing. It's they're facing some talent that are, you know you'll see them in Double A too. It's yeah. one of those things. And back to Tyler White for a second. Yeah, Tyler White has not hit well, but he's drawing walks. But the only problem is he's he's not exactly. He's kind of in between what J.D. Davis and A.J. Reed are a little bit. He's not. He's got a little bit of power, but he's got some decent on base capability. So it's yeah, it's. I think it's J.D. Davis. Like I said on Talking Strohs on Sunday, I think Tyler White is the safe bet. Yes. I think right now J.D. Davis will give you more bang for your buck. And I think that A.J. Reed is the better investment if you have the time to invest in that. Because it's going to take him a while to hit. I think it's going to be kind of a Bregman type of start where he's not going to look great right away. That's happened this spring as well. Uh-huh. He did uh, get some walks early in spring. Then he kind of went through the slump, and everybody's like, oh, the experiment's over over at House of Houston. And, yeah, um, yeah. So, um, but I, I don't think that the Astros um, – I mean, just recently, he's just – he looks like the better here. I haven't been able to see him because there hasn't, haven't been main games on TV recently. But no. uh, he just seems like he's, cl- he's clicking a little bit more now. And um, I think the Astros, a, if they do, if they do uh, start him opening day, here's the reason why. No, not start him, but if he's on the roster, I think it will be to boost his morale. He he won it. He won. He, he won the job. Yeah. He and, and, it's, and it's kind of one of those things where he, he they should come. These these three guys should come into this knowing. Hey, I may not be in Houston more than three or four weeks, depending on. When Yuli comes back, and that and that's the thing that I think they understand is like, hey, this is Yuli's job for the most part. You know, yeah, the Astros may rope him around, but once he comes back, like, yeah, I'm going yeah. back to probably Fresno or whatever. Yeah, at the same t- uh, same time, like, hey, if I make a really good impression in my brief debut, like, injuries have happened. The debut, the, the uh, yeah, the, we're <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's the middle of the week. Uh, uh, do I have enough drink in this? But anyway, but yeah, it's like one of those things. Yeah, hey, I'm on spring break. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're good. You're good. I'm jealous. But yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, there's clearly there's clearly opportunities from down the road. We just got to see what they do with this one short stint at first. Yeah, and what if A.J. Reed or J.D. Davis or Tyler White, whoever it is, comes up and they actually hit? The Astros may reconsider the Max Stassi thing. Yes, exactly. And I think the Astros, if push came to shove, they wouldn't mind using Evan Gass more as a backup catcher again. It's probably not their preferred idea. The, but The only downfall is the – I know it's 
it will only be one game, but they don't want to be in a situation where Brian McCann gets hurt, Evan Gaddis is the the DH, and then they have to remove Evan Gaddis from the DH. To catch, to catch. And, and then they have no backup right. catcher. No, not even that, but you lose the uh, DH spot. Yeah, you lose the DH spot, too. It's, yeah, and that's the thing is, and that's you know one reason I just don't see him, I'll be perfectly honest, I just don't see him carrying Evan Gaddis past this year, perhaps, unless he just hits out of his mind like he did his first No, I think, I mean, I, I don't know if uh, Evan Gaddis' mom uh, listens, but... Um, I, I don't I, yeah I think they're gonna go with Stubbs or Staffley next year as the backup catcher and I, Brian McCann will probably be here yeah unless yeah unless we get J T Riomuto yeah yeah and like don't get me wrong I I like Evan guys I think he's a good ball player yeah, me but, too. but at the same time too you just gotta look at the fits and uh, he's not known for his catching prowess and um, yeah it's one of those things where I just think the fit is not there for the Astros anymore. I think he's going to go to definitely American League team. I think he's going to go to a team that has a semi-strong catcher. And uh, something I've kind of thought about is I don't really know who the catcher over is at um, Cleveland, mm-hmm. but they have that young guy, Mejia, yeah. coming up. Yeah. Uh, he could be a good kind of a platoon there between him and Mejia next year. But anyway, Evan Gattis is the Astro right now. So yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Let's not go too far down yeah, that route. If they all. resign him, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'll be perfectly fine I, with that. I just that. don't think he's going to get the money he might want from the Astros because they're they're going to – they're going to be like, okay, Altuve, Gattis. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, the way the scales are tipped clearly in one favor. And uh, Gattis could help himself this year by having a great season, and that's kind of why the Astros want to get him more bats. They don't want to, uh, like some people have called out, why aren't we batting Gattis more? And it was because of the whole DH rule, and you don't want to lose the DH for the game. And no. During the regular season, it may not matter that much, but what if that one game you lose the DH, then you lose the game because you had a pitcher hit, and then you you missed the playoffs by one game? Uh, that's yeah. not going to happen for the Astros. That's that's just why the, uh, the Astros have been hesitant to uh, start Gaddis as the DH while McCann is catching. Exactly, exactly. It's not a combination you're going to see often if at all but yeah there's there's going to be some clearly some uh interesting decisions coming in the next couple weeks for spring training i'm like you i think jay davis has probably got the inside track for the job uh max stassi may have a short leash uh Mm -hmm. i'm trying to think tony sip will probably most likely be the left-handed pitcher out of the bullpen again mainly because you know six million dollar salary six million reasons why but i think outside that this roster um uh, knock on wood is pretty much set. What if Hector Rondon has a dead arm or something and he can't pitch to start the year? Oh yeah. Okay. Po- Before I don't want you to take my guy. So you have to pick a guy and can't be my guy. Okay. Who's your guy who would make the major league roster if uh, Hector Rondon can't do it? Okay. My guy is David Paulino. I think he would probably be a good fit for this team. Yeah. I like the Paulino pick a lot. Um, just trying to put myself in the Astros' shoes, I'll probably be James Hoyt first opportunity. Um, now, am I saying that's the best choice? No, but I do think go, looking from the Astros' mindset, knowing like seeing how they've done stuff, I think James Hoyt would probably be the guy there. Yeah, Hoyt's been ready. Not that he's 
I'm not saying he's a terrible reliever. I just he hasn't found his niche yet. Yeah, he hasn't. Once he does, uh, it will be he'll be a better hitter. I mean, better. Uh, sorry, I'm looking at Jose Altuve. <laughs> so uh, but he'll be a better reliever once he gets that. But I know Jeff Luno fell fell in love with him. That's why he he like said, "Hey, um, I'll give you this extra player in the guys trade." For yeah. Him. So Hoyt, I think his. I, I think they'll give him a chance. You're probably right. And uh, they don't really want to reward David Paulino for the drug suspension right yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. And but Paulino's pitched great this spring. Yes, he's looked good. And he's gone multiple innings. He could be that other multiple inning reliever. And he could go one inning. He can throw in the upper 90s. He can he could bring the heat. He could be that sixth or seventh inning flamethrower he may be a little wild uh i don't think his future is as a starter i could be wrong uh but i think he can be a shutdown reliever and eventually maybe a closer down the road but we'll have to see yeah we'll have to see and like and just one point to james Hoyt's credit real quick like if you go over to fan graphs they got three different metrics of course one is era the other one is fib and you know we're quite familiar with those two and also xfib if you look across the board Hoyt's ERA, 438. Not obviously great. Not terrible, but not great. His FIP, though, three th- spring or? Uh, last season. Okay. Uh, 330 FIP, 311 XFIP. XFIP basically means like his home run rate is pretty much the league average, essentially, uh, if I'm understanding this correctly. So if things were a little bit closer to like how the league average was on certain things, like home runs or whatever, he's a much better pitcher than he kind of showed in his ERA. He was worth surprisingly a little over half a win last year. So as a reliever, that's not too bad, but same time too, I'm like you, I like Paulino a lot. I really do. I think he'd be a, a heck of a pitcher at all the Astros bullpen. If he could harness some of that control, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm quite optimistic on him. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll have to see, but I think uh, I'm, I'm going to Paulino. I just think that he has this stuff and I think uh, maybe what happened to him last year matured him, and he's and he's going to be a lot better pitcher, and we'll have to see. Uh, but th- we still have what I want to say almost like two weeks from now. Yes, yeah. two, two weeks from tomorrow is a uh, opening day, if I'm not mistaken, I believe. Right. So we'll have to see what's going on there, and um, I'm excited. And I, I know you're probably not going down to Arlington. I wish I could. Um, no, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah, I I did my big trips already, so uh but I'll definitely be watching and um we'll probably once I figure out what's going on with Talking Strohs and seven ninety, we'll probably be broadcasting at Jackson Street Barbecue with the um for Talking Strohs. Uh, you're welcome to come join if you would like to. Yeah. And um but yeah, I'm excited. So what else did we say? Um Oh, Garrett Cole. I want to talk about Garrett oh, Cole. Oh, that boy. That boy. Is, uh, he, he, I, I've been impressed. I've been impressed. Yeah, I drafted him in uh, not your league, but in a different league. And uh, he's my third top stud. I have Max Scherzer. Then I have Jacob DeGrom. Then I have Cole. Good choice. I also have uh, McCullers. And then I have Garrett Richards. I think I'm going to have Garrett Richards in every league. Yeah. I'm I saw the way he pitched at the end of last year, and I'm scared. Yeah, he he looked like he was coming back. You know, that's a guy you feel for him. The the arm injuries, you know, everything has just been real hard on him, especially that Angel staff. And and yeah, I, I, 
Gary Richards, like, that dude can pitch when he's on. And, yeah, I, the Angels are that much tougher. All right, so uh, let's talk a little Angels for a second since you mentioned it. Let's talk about Otani. What if he can't hit? Oh, boy, if he can't hit, uh, the Angels are like, all right, you're pitching full-time. Go out there. <laughs> like, so would they go away from the six-man rotation if he no longer hits? But I, you would think that they would because they want him to be that two-way star. Yeah. They they need him to be that two-way star. So I think they're giving him a chance. But as far as I last I saw, I don't know if he played today or not. Uh, let me see. Uh, but he was batting like 0-43 for a while there. And let me see. Yeah, like, just pulling it up real quick, uh, if you go by... He did play today. He's batting... Oh, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. He's batting 100. Uh, he yeah. did have a strikeout today. He's got a 350 OPS. Yes, I know it's his spring training. Yes, I know he's getting used to big league pitching. Um, and But still, he's not really showing that much. And uh, in Yahoo, they do something funny. I meant to tell you this the other day, Cody, but... Uh, they have you draft him as a pitcher and as a hitter. Yeah, uh, it's actually uh, funny that you bring that up because I had a quick little fantasy draft uh, last Wednesday night. Like it was like late at night or whatever, and it was with a friend I, uh, of mine, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you can just jump jump in on the sleeves." Like, okay, did that. Yeah, I drafted Otani as a pitcher. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, looking for like, where, where, wait, pitcher? Where's the hitter Otani? Where's the hitter Otani? And it's but like. Yeah, I felt more confident taking him as a pitcher for some odd reason. But, yeah, he's not been playing all that well, like, at all. I'm just not sure what to make of it. Oh, I did pick up that Luis Castillo uh, kid, or Luis. Oh, Luis Castillo. Yeah, in that one draft. And Because um, so I, I know Ed was all like, ooh, ooh he's the best. And so uh, I'm not too excited about my rotation. I normally have a get better rotation at league. Bob Scherzer, DeGrom, Cole, McCullers. Then I have um, Castillo, Richards, Aaron Sanchez, and Zach Davies. So it's not sexy, but I have that's one of those leagues that has the the holds as well. Oh, like the holds, doing, so. yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking of holds, uh, which Astros reliever do you think will get the most holds? Davinsky? Yeah, it's got to be Davinsky, I think. It's, and then Harris or yeah, Smith? Uh, probably Davinsky and uh, Harris, I think. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't, Smith maybe as well. But Davinsky's clearly, I think, the front runner on that. Point. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, the fact that you have McHugh in there, then you have some other people that can go deeper. Uh, that Davinsky's no longer going to be the three inning guy. Oh no, that. you're not going to see him open the season with bat to bat two, like or bat to bat four inning appearances. Right. Like you're not going to see that again. So anyway, so we got about fifty three seconds left, and I just realized why we can't hear the voice because I turned this off. So. Anyway, so that's why we didn't hear the warning. <laughs> so hopefully everybody can hear us and we're not just wasting our breath. So, uh, guys, you've been listening to the CTH podcast with Eric and Cody. Uh, we normally do it on Wednesdays, but we're going to probably have to change things up during the regular season. We'll have to see. I try to have my games. I try to have, like, my season tickets where I don't have the tickets on Wednesdays. So we'll see how everything goes. Yeah. But, um Guys, just let's talk Astros baseball. The season's coming, and it's awesome. Do you have any last words? Um, just go baseball. Go Astros. Yeah, so, guys, uh, you can listen every week, and go ahead and go to Blog Talk Radio and listen to the show. This was CTH Podcast.